And we promised you last week we were going to talk about Edward Teller, one of the giants of science of the 20th century who passed away um, last week. We're going to we're going to get to Edward Teller in a minute. But uh, before we do so, we, we're trying to keep things on the lighter side for today's program. So before we delve into Edward Teller, let's do a little bit more from the realm of some email, some uh, quotable wit and wisdom. The Associated Press recently quoted former baseball pitcher Tug McGraw as follows. According to Mr. McGraw, quote, 90% of my salary I spent on booze and women. The other 10% I wasted. And one of our all-time favorites, columnist Dave Barry. And Dave Barry, where we like to reiterate, has personally given us permission to quote from him on this program. At least he said, I don't care when I told him we were doing it. According to Dave Barry, you can only be young once, but you can always be immature. Comedian Jay Leno pointed out that the reason that there are two senators for each state is that so one can serve as a designated driver. And playwright George Bernard Shaw should be quoted for an oldie but a goodie when he said, If you laid all the economists end to end, you'd still never reach a conclusion. And here's a real oldie from a goodie, in fact, from Pericles, 430 B.C. Quote, Just because you do not take an interest in politics doesn't mean politics won't take an interest in you. And here's a little more recent one that we probably live by here at Radio Parallax from Will Rogers. I do not make jokes. I just watch government and report the facts. Let us talk a bit about a giant of uh, the nuclear industry, I guess you would say, Edward Teller. Born in 1908, he passed away on September 9th. Edward Teller was Jewish. He was Hungarian. He was raised in a comfortable middle-class home in Budapest, Hungary. He witnessed the rise of Hitler and Nazism in Germany during the 20s and 1930s. Teller studied under Werner Heisenberg at the University of Leipzig. In 1930, he obtained his doctorate in physics. Teller fled Hitler's rise to power in 1934, going first to the United Kingdom and then to America. He enters history, as it were, when Teller and two other scientists, Eugene Wigner and Leo Szilard, are convinced that it is possible to build an atomic bomb. They fear the possibility of Nazi Germany being able to gain such a weapon before the United States, and they prevail upon the world's most famous scientist, Albert Einstein, to write a letter to President Franklin Roosevelt urging him to develop a program for such a weapon. This became the Manhattan Project and brought the world the atomic bomb. Although Einstein gets the credit, for having sent that letter to Roosevelt, it really was Sillard's doing, assisted by Wigner and Teller. Although Teller enrolled in the Manhattan Project, headed by Robert Oppenheimer, he uh, became disinterested in the subject of the atomic bomb. By 1943, he was convinced the U.S. needed to move ahead with what they called a super bomb, a hydrogen bomb. It would be a thousand times as powerful as an atomic bomb. Now, the part I find most interesting is that, and we mentioned this on a show two weeks ago, the atomic scientists 
which included Robert Oppenheimer, Hans Bethe, Leo Szilard, future Nobel Prize winners Louis Alvarez and Richard Feynman, focused on the atomic bomb, the job at hand, the refinement of uranium and creation of plutonium to create weapons that relied upon nuclear fission. Teller always saw beyond that to the possibility of a bomb that would use a fission trigger to ignite hydrogen fusion. Thankfully, a hydrogen bomb has never been used in warfare. The two bombs that flattened Hiroshima and Nagasaki had energy levels measured in tens of thousands of tons of TNT. I believe the Hiroshima bomb was something like 13,000 tons of TNT equivalency. A hydrogen bomb has about a million tons of TNT equivalent. You've all seen pictures of what the atomic bomb did to Hiroshima. Imagine one 60 times as powerful. The world has built tens of thousands of such devices, and it might never have done so if Edward Teller had not prevailed upon Harry Truman to push ahead on hydrogen bomb research. The Hawks won that battle. They were, in fact, given their very own nuclear lab at Lawrence Livermore to contend with the resistance of the establishment of atomic scientists operating in Los Alamos who felt that bringing such a bomb into the world, although possible, was probably a very bad idea. Teller believed that if it was possible to build one, we had to do so before the Russians would. Many would argue, and I think they would be right in arguing, that the Soviet Union would never have embarked upon such an unbelievably expensive building program if we hadn't done so first. Some would argue if the United States, being the world's richest nation, had not been committed to building first the A-bomb and later the H-bomb, it would not have been possible for the Soviet Union, using spies and stolen data, to have done so themselves at all. But we built hydrogen bombs. Spearheaded by Lawrence Livermore, hydrogen bombs were put first on bombers and then later submarines and finally intercontinental ballistic missiles. The possibility of hydrogen bombs raining down from the skies has been with us ever since the late 1950s. In 1983, Teller got the idea that it was time to convince another president, in this case Ronald Reagan, a rather scientifically unsophisticated individual, that his original handiwork could be now undone, that you could develop a missile shield to protect the United States from hydrogen bomb-tipped intercontinental ballistic missiles. The Ballistic Missile Defense Program has been with us ever since. Most Nobel Prize winner type scientists feel that such an idea can never possibly work. Two of the scientists I respect the most, who did not necessarily win Nobel Prize, but were uh, certainly distinguished thinkers, Carl Sagan and Isaac Asimov, both pointed out the futility of such a system. But Edward Teller had gotten his way again, and we are still, you and me, the taxpayer, saddled with this bit of lunacy. We should note that the blackest mark against Edward Teller was that when they first established Lawrence Livermore Laboratory and the people in Los Alamos continued to resist the notion of building a hydrogen bomb, Teller began to attack Oppenheimer, questioning his loyalty, the man who gave the United States the atomic bomb. 
By all accounts, Oppenheimer was the man who made it happen. He was able to talk to generals. He was able to talk to physicists. He understood everything about the atomic bomb. We might not have developed one had it not been for J. Robert Oppenheimer. But he stood in the way of Edward Teller and the hydrogen bomb. In hearings before the Congress, people came forward to say that they just had questions about how Oppenheimer could uh, could hold some of these views. Edward Teller led the charge. Oppenheimer lost his security clearance. It effectively destroyed his career in government and left him a broken man. Now, in November, we're going to make a trip uh, back east to Pennsylvania, and I'm thinking of trying to work my way up to upstate New York because Hans Bethe, the man who was Edward Teller's boss at the Manhattan Project, is still very much alive and well and living up somewhere near Cornell University where he is a professor emeritus of physics. Uh, we might just try and get an interview with Professor Hans Bethe. That would be quite a coup. Bethe said about Teller, even back in his days in the Manhattan Project, that he was a good idea man. He came up with a lot of ideas. The trouble was most of them wouldn't work. When Edward Teller told Ronald Reagan that we could build a missile shield using off-the-shelf technology, well, um, let's just say that wouldn't work. It still won't work, and the truth is, it's never going to work. If we're going to spend money on aerospace, and I know we are, and that's probably, for the most part, a good investment, I wish we would do something like go to Mars instead. As part of my trip to L.A., I hooked up with someone who's the Southern California representative of the Mars Society, and he would be most enthusiastic about coming onto this program. As we mentioned before, a lot's going to happen at Mars in January. There are seven space probes set to arrive on the Red Planet, and um, we're going to give you some special coverage on those events. That's it for this week's program. You've been listening to Radio Parallax here at KDVS. I'm your host, Douglas Everett. Our thanks once again to Charles Lowe out at University Airport at the Cal Aggie Flying Farmers and Steve Valentino, KDVS's own news director. We'll see you next Thursday at 5.